on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 51st chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Nexium episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. Nexium, spelled N-X-I-V-M, sounds like a New Age church run exclusively by Avicii fans, but unfortunately, it is not. Instead, Nexium is a multi-level marketing company, or MLM, founded by a guy called Keith Raniere and promoted by such notables as actor Allison Mack and Seagram heiress Claire Bromfman, among others. Now, MLMs are terrible. They prey on people with modest means by making them recruit their own family and friends into a pyramid-shaped structure based on constant growth and recruitment, often leaving people bankrupt along the way, all to profit those at the top. But Nexium is not just an MLM. It's also a sex trafficking cult infamous for branding women with Keith's initials, among other horrifying practices. This week, we are joined by guest Sarah Berman, senior editor at Vice Canada, who is writing a book about Nexium. Before that, Julian will give you a quick overview of Keith and his cult, and Travis will explore the QAnon community's natural relationship to these depraved sex trafficking mutants from hell. Trigger warning, this episode obviously contains uh, stories of physical, sexual, and emotional abuse, including on underage people. Keith Ranieri and Nexium with Julian Field. Keith Ranieri was born in 1960 in Brooklyn. His mother was a ballroom dancing instructor and an alcoholic. His father was in advertising. When he was eight, Keith's parents separated. He attended a Waldorf school until the age of 12. The Waldorf philosophy is based on anthroposophy, an early 1900s theory developed by a guy called Rudolf Steiner. It claims the existence of an objective, intellectually comprehensible spiritual world accessible to human experience. Yes. His parents apparently told Keith that he was very gifted and uniquely intelligent. By the age of 13, Keith was already cultivating relationships with multiple young women at once. His mother would allegedly overhear him on the phone telling him all the same thing. Quote, I love you. You're the special one. You're the important one in my life. And I love you. The quote is from a woman called Barbara Boucher, which uh, we'll get into later. In 1978, Keith lost his mother. Four years later, he graduated from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute with a 2.26 GPA, the equivalent of a C. By 1984, at the age of 24... Keith became sexually involved with multiple 15-year-old girls. Uh, he actually became sexually involved with multiple 15-year-old girls called Gina. Yeah. Well, okay. It's just like one of those things where in these stories, we're like, what the fuck? So one of the girl's older sisters recounts uh, seeing Keith ass naked attempting to escape from a window in her little sister's room. Um, so that shitty comedy uh, routine occurred, I guess. Uh, around this period, Ranieri had a stint as a computer programmer for the State Division of Parole. He also got involved with a high IQ organization called Mega Society, which has been criticized for the fact that its central test is both unsupervised and untimed. <laughs> so Keith scored high. I mean, remember, his GPA was a C, uh, but he scored very high on this test and somehow ended up in the Australian edition of the Guinness Book of Records in 1989. <laughs> so... He took a pity IQ test and got in the Guinness Book of World Records, the Australian edition. Wait, why? Yeah. What the fuck? Wait, wait why, why Australian? Why isn't the Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, it's world. What? Listen, guys, I don't make the rules. I just make up stuff that I put in the episodes. Yeah, mate, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put out our own version. <laughs> Not enough pedophile representation. In the 80s, Keith also got involved with multi-level marketing organization Amway. 
He was also heavily inspired by Scientology during this period. He founded Consumers Byline in 1990. No surprise, it was an MLM. Three years later, it was shut down after being investigated in 20 states. In 1994, he founded National Health Network, an MLM selling multivitamins. It would fail in 1999. <laughs> By 1996, Keith was made to sign a consent order barring him from creating more MLMs. <laughs> Just like, stop it. <laughs> Keith was briefly married to and then dated a woman called Tony Natalie. She participated in multiple MLMs with Keith. By 1998, Tony Natalie was growing worried about him, though. Around this time, she met Nancy Salzman, who was a nurse-trained hypnotist and neurolinguistic programming specialist. Tony sought Nancy's advice. Nancy said, you're so wonderful. How can I help you? So I said, well, you know, you can help me with my boyfriend. He had grandiose ideas and his hours were becoming erratic again. She listened and she said, oh, well, that's easy. I can help you. He's a sociopath. They met, and four days later, she came out with the glazed eyes and gave me the, you don't know who he is. And I was like, wow, there goes another one. That is, uh, that's just amazing. Because she, she, she becomes this woman who apparently he, you know, turns from like thinking he's a sociopath to uh, being in love with him, basically. She becomes like a huge architect of their program because she's a hypnotist and she's into all this uh, neurolinguistic stuff. Um, so yeah, pretty amazing. The guy clearly has something like he has some bizarre thing with women specifically where he, he's able to, uh, manipulate people in like very specific ways. Yeah. And if you look back at, yeah, when he's a teenager telling everybody he loves them and that they're the special one, it's very cult. Yeah. Yeah. He knows what works. You know, what's interesting is he seems to like just absorb every sort of manipulative program he comes into contact (laughs) with. Yes. Yes. He comes into Amway. It's like, Oh, that can manipulate people with that. And he thinks about Scientology. Oh, uh, NLP, that works too. He just combines them all. He's like the um, he's like the nothing in the never-ending story and just gobbles up everything <laughs> in his path. Yeah, and Jake's the wolf. Uh, around the same time... Uh, no, I am... Which one would you be? I'm... The little guy on the snail? <laughs> no, I'm would like... Would you be the big rock? Uh, no, no. Oh, well. The big rock guy's pretty cool. No, I think I you would be... You want to be the horse, be the horse I think I would be Goodbye, like... Goodbye, the... Jake. Sorry that you're in the mud. <laughs> Atreyu. Artax. No, Artax is Artax. the name of the horse, yeah. Atreyu is the boy. Jake, as I slowly push your the, your head down into the mud. <laughs> Jake. No, I would be like the weird, like, sort of like wizard scientist who sends him in the, oh, in yeah. the gondola across the... Oh, he's great. He lives with his wife there yeah. in that little hobbit hole thing. That'd be me. So around the same time, Keith met Marie Melanakos. Uh, she was Miss Michigan 1995. She would later remember that Keith explained how there was a profound event that would often happen to the women who became intimate with him. Sometimes they would even see a blue light. Ultimately, I agreed to be intimate with Keith, and it was just as he said. I even saw a blue light, but I don't think I told him so. I remember thinking, wow, my brain really is susceptible to the power of suggestion. I like to imagine that Keith is just holding up an alarm clock uh, <laughs> in the middle of sex, and they're like, "There's a the crazy blue light uh, that might work." He's like, "Like this is what's going to happen to you." He has like like a pen. He flashes like yeah. behind him. <laughs> he's got the little. He's got the. He's like, "You're going to see stars," and then he turns off the light, and the ceiling just has those little stick clothes <laughs> glow in the dark stars. So Nancy Salzman, who you'll recall originally thought he was a sociopath, was in so deep by the late '90s that she founded executive success programs with Keith, which was built as a self-improvement organization. In the early aughts, it was renamed Nexium. Keith named himself Vanguard, which is a term that comes from a fucking arcade game by the same name. Here's the plot of the game. 
The player has been selected to pilot an advanced fighter ship with high offensive capabilities and must enter the cave inside the asteroid where an evil alien called the Gond makes his home. If unsuccessful, the human colonies being attacked by the Gond will be doomed. Nexium apparently was heavily influenced by the writings of, you guessed it, Anne Rand. Oh, <laughs> She's everywhere. Every psycho loves Anne Rand. It's just like every time she floats to the top like that stale intellectual turd that she is. In 99, Tony Natalie bailed on Keith and Nexium. He would go on to harass her for years. A federal judge would later state, quote, this matter smacks of a jilted fellow's attempt at revenge or retaliation against his former girlfriend, with many attempts at tripping her up along the way. In 2000, Barbara Boucher joined Nexium and became involved with Keith. His classic pickup line? Here's a copy of my favorite Ayn Rand book. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the book in question, of course, was Atlas Shrugged. Of course. Keith would tell women, quote, you're my Dagny, and then suggest that he was the hero, John Gelt. Oh, my God. <laughs> guys he's the fucking bad guy in bioshock um <laughs> in 2002 ranieri and salzman got that money by successfully onboarding members of the bronfman family billionaire heirs to the seagram fortune two sisters and a dad great unfortunately keith wasn't as good at pilling dads or men in general and a 2003 forbes expose would quote edgar bronfman senior who was claiming that nexium was a cult very awkward moment Keith spied on Bronfman for years. He had compromised the old man's computer and monitored his emails for a very oh long God. period. Of <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. In 2003, a 35-year-old called Kristen Marie Snyder attended a second Nexium workshop. Ten days in, she started threatening to commit suicide. Nexium instructors opted not to bring her to the hospital. She was last seen leaving the seminar. The police later found a note telling them not to bother looking for her body. Quote, I attended a course called Executive Success Programs based out of Anchorage, Alaska, in Albany, New York. I was brainwashed and my emotional center of the brain was killed slash turned off. I still have feeling in my external skin, but my internal organs are rotting. I'm sorry, life. I didn't know I was already dead. May we persist into the future. Another case of these kinds of psychos uh, coming into contact with people who have uh potential mental illness and they just uh suffer yeah. terribly yeah, from it just, yeah they just fight because those are the most vulnerable people yeah and did she end up committing suicide or we they, don't know they, they've never found her body oh my god that's crazy yeah in 2005 ranieri started having a sexual relationship with a 15 year old girl between 2005 and 2007 ranieri blew 70 million dollars trading commodities he blamed bromfman senior uh, for manipulating the markets uh, in his disfavor, but whatever, his daughters ended up covering all the losses. In fact, in total, the Bronfman sisters invested $150 million in Nexium. Because of all the bad press, Nexium decided to do some PR through a subgroup called World Ethical Foundations Consortium. Oh my god, of course. <laughs> These motherfuckers, they always name it some like helping everyone and not having sex with them. <laughs> not, not hypnotizing better for the good of the world people group. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. We should start a cult with that beautiful name. <laughs> so yeah, the PR was not happening, and so the Bronfman sisters... One of the Bronfman sisters fucked a monk working for the Dalai Lama, uh, which later got him fired, by the way. The culmination of a $2 million investment to get the old Dalai Lama to endorse Keith. 
In 2009, the llama traveled to Albany, spoke to a crowd, and put a nice white scarf on the shoulders of his boy, Keith. That year, the Dalai Lama wrote a foreword to a book co-written by Ranieri. The, <laughs> I can't... What? <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't... I mean, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised, but apparently you can't just buy the Dalai Lama. Yeah, he's, he's $2 he's million. Totally, totally for sale. That's how much right. it costs, $2 million. $2 million bucks? All oh. right. And yeah. you have to have an organization called something like a World Ethical Foundation. I'm going to rent him. I'm going to rent him <laughs> for my <laughs> next <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> It's going to be good. It's going to be like yeah. the beginning of Ghostbusters 2 where he shows up and all the people at the party are like not interested. They're like into a new world leader by that time. I can't wait for the Dalai Lama to be on Cameo for like 15 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hold up that sign with a swastika, mister. <laughs> the end of the aughts saw Keith dealing with an increasingly unruly flock. Nine women broke away and accused him of sexually abusing and manipulating his followers, including the aforementioned Barbara Boucher. He was later accused of rape by his ex-partner, Tony Natalie, who also stated that Keith, quote, had insisted she keep the body of her dead puppy in her garage freezer and look at it daily. What? There's stuff like this that comes up where you're just like, wait, 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 hold. Yeah. So read that again? That he insisted she keep the body of her dead puppy in her garage freezer and look at it daily. I'm so mad. (laughs) What part? The puppy. Yeah, what they did to that poor puppy. And the make her, and to make her look at her dead puppy? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure how the puppy died, but it's pretty horrifying. I'm disturbed. In 2006, the Bromfman sisters headed to Vancouver with the intent to recruit Smallville co-star Allison Mack. She became one of their most ardent and effective recruiters. Keith was also into some Akira shit around this time. He raised one of his followers' kids, a child born in 2007, by isolating him from the outside world and putting him in the care of five nannies who spoke different languages. Uh, The mom would later bail on the cults, complaining that Keith was, quote, experimenting on my son. Jesus. (laughs) Did she take the son with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keith hired an investigative firm called Canaprobe to look into a federal judge, a senator, and various journalists and editors. He allegedly planned to lure various critics to Mexico using the pretext of an anti-cult gathering. (laughs) There he planned to have them arrested on fake charges and railroaded by a bribed judge. Uh, This never materialized, unfortunately, for Keith. Yeah, he he has a kind of like Trump thing where he he just fumes about anyone who slights him. He just just wants them destroyed more than anything else in the world. Yeah, there was a a case. This is not in my writing, but I I remember it because it was pretty horrifying. A girl, apparently part of his kind of... um, you know, closer circle of, uh, let's say, concubines or basically abused uh, women uh, who he was treating as sex slaves. But one of them apparently once kissed another guy and he locked himself in the bathroom and like would not come out. And then he put her into isolation for two years. <laughs> what? Yeah. He locked her in a room for two years. What? What? Yeah, what for, the fuck? Yeah. It's, it's it just it, he's monstrous, like beyond monstrous, impossible. Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy should be fucking drawn and quartered. <laughs> Here we like, go. this is this Get motherfucker. Get Mo. <laughs> like, holy shit. Keith somehow sued both AT&T and Microsoft for patent infringement, lost the case, quote, with prejudice, and had to pay $450,000 in fees. In October of 2017, a fundamental shift occurred in the public perception of Nexium. That's because Barry Mayer wrote an article for the New York Times exposing a secret sisterhood, like a subsect of Nexium, through which Keith and his inner circle attempted to make women into sex slaves. Here's from the article, and apologies in advance for the disturbing nature of the story. To gain admission, they were required to give their recruiter, or master, as she was called, 
naked photographs or other compromising material and were warned that such collateral might be publicly released if the group's existence were disclosed. The women in their 30s and 40s belong to a self-help organization called Nexium, which is based in Albany and has chapters across the country, Canada, and Mexico. Sarah Edmondson, one of the participants, said that she had been told she would get a small tattoo as part of the initiation, but she was not prepared for what came next. Each woman was told to undress and lie on a massage table, while three others restrained her legs and shoulders. According to one of them, their master, a top Nexium official named Lauren Salzman, instructed them to say, Master, please brand me. It would be an honor. A female doctor proceeded to use a cauterizing device to sear a two-inch square symbol below each woman's hip, a procedure that took 20 to 30 minutes. For hours, muffled screams and the smell of burning tissue filled the room. I wept the whole time, Miss Edmondson recalled. I disassociated out of my body. The brand uh, was in the shape of initials. K.R. Keith Ranieri's. One of the women who went through this left the cult immediately and filed a complaint. The New York State Department of Health said it would not look into the branding because it was consensual, and the woman who carried it out, Danielle Roberts, was not the woman's acting doctor at the time. <laughs> Seems like a technicality when yeah. you hear about a cult branding woman. But <laughs> well, like all mm, technically not in our jurisdiction, but that's but it. It's good a jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's over the state line. Yeah. <laughs> Another alleged uh, Nexium practice, showing the victims graphically violent film clips while recording their brainwaves and physical reactions. This included footage of four women being murdered and dismembered. A complaint was filed about this, but state medical regulators failed to act on it because the practice did not meet their definition of medical misconduct. There were multiple subgroups to Nexium, in fact, including a female-oriented one called JNS that acted as a kind of a feeder group for Dominus Obsequious Sororium, or DOS, a Latin phrase loosely translated as master over slave women. On the male side, Keith created a group called Society of Protectors. Apparently encouraged by his Akira experiments, Keith founded Rainbow Cultural Garden for the Children. This was an international chain of childcare organizations where the students were exposed to seven languages. There are many more aspects to Keith and Nexium, but we'll get into that in our interview segment with Sarah Berman, who is much more of a specialist than me. We'll also find out about how Keith's luck finally ran out and what happened as a consequence. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. God. It's like the the small details are just always so horrifying. It's so interesting to me, too, that when when you have, like, actual evil, actual, you know, violent, abusive cults, it's like it takes, like, 10 or 15 tries before these guys get in trouble for it. That like It seems like there should have been, at, at the very least, uh, two or three instances where, you know, the, these, you know, this dude got exposed and the whole thing came crumbling down, but it's like... Man, no, it's just like think he has like win after win after win after yeah. win until he doesn't, and it's like I, it really is a, a systemic failure because it's like feels like feels like even if someone was like oh, some bureaucrat is like hmm, technically not uh, not uh, uh, in our purview of what what we handle, don't you want to sort of like uh, send a, a complaint to someone who might be able to investigate that? You know, local FBI, police, someone. Yeah, don't you think if you, yeah. if you as a human being yeah. were contacted by another human who is saying. Hey, I, I was lied to. They uh, I'm part of this group. It's it's kind of fucked up. They yeah. said we were gonna get a tattoo, but they branded us, and I, I don't know. Or they're, and they're showing us like videos of people being dismembered and like monitoring our brave ways. Don't you think that you would just fucking pick up the phone and be like, uh, 
do, and do anything, Call, anything. Uh, yeah, a, a local paper. Get, uh, yeah, uh, authorities. Someone. It's just like it's, it was. Yeah. It's very strange that yeah that that was able to be hidden for so long, even after multiple opportunities for it to be exposed. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a very robust structure to uh, identify and punish uh, and prosecute cults. I mean, Scientology is like untouchable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally untouchable yeah. at this point. Good. And so America, you know, if you start looking into that stuff and and arguing that that some of the stuff you see in Nexium is an issue, if you take out like some of the more horrifying stuff, you're going to find that stuff in Pentecostal Christianity. You're going to mm -hmm. find that in a lot of different sects right. that exist across the country. This is a country where there's not a lot of good laws. That's why they finally got him on a fucking racketeering and like mob charges because yeah. they don't know how to prosecute cult leaders here. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really relates to, I guess, is it was the freedom of religion thing? Is that they're 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 terrified of like infringing on people's uh, freedom to like you know, associate and you know do whatever weird shit that they want to? Or, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's 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 very strange. It feels like this should have like you know been uh, shut down way 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 before it was. Yeah. I want to start a cult, and it's just for middle aged Republican men, and it's going to be called Porky's Playpen, and I'm going to put them all on all four naked in a playpen. <laughs> Here we go. And I'm going to make them walk around. <laughs> and eat the slob and that's right <laughs> come on down Newt right. Gingrich you're the first invited <laughs> Nexium and QAnon with Travis View much like the arrest of Jeffrey Epstein the QAnon community feels very validated by the arrest and conviction of uh, Keith Ranieri and the re revealed details of how he used Nexium to operate was basically a sex cult you have to say, like, uh, okay, we claim that the world is run by sex trafficking cult, and boom, here's an abusive sex cult, and on top of it, a lot of powerful people were involved. There was Smallville actress Allison Mack. There was Claire Broffman. Uh, so it's, like, just like we said. But it, they always act like they're the only ones who have discovered that there's sort of, like, evil and abuse uh, in the world, and everyone else believes that this kind of stuff doesn't go on, which is, which is just sort of, like, untrue. It's like, you know, there, there's... Sort of untrue, huh? Well... <laughs> Travis is softening his stance on QAnon. Oh, I, no, I no, like no. this, though. He's like, hey, you no, know... No, uh, they're, no, no. It's, 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 they're it's, mostly right. It's wholly true. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, there. I mean, you know, there. There've always been like cults, and like tragically, male cult leaders frequently sexually abuse and dominate women in those cults. I mean, in the seventies, there was the Children of God cult. In the nineties, there was uh, reports that uh, uh, David Koresh was sexually abusing uh, women. And uh, two thousand nine, the uh, cult leader Tony Alamo was convicted of child sex trafficking. So I mean, it's obviously horrifying, and hopefully one day we'll live in a world that kind of stuff doesn't go on anymore. But the existence of sex abuse in cults isn't new information that the QAnon community is providing anyone. No, we literally like had a, uh, our first listener episode. Someone wrote in about having been in a cult like yeah. that and experiencing exactly those kinds of things. So the, yeah, no, this is happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah, this is this is, and also it's 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 been like reported. And these individuals have been convicted. And when they, they imagine sort of like like blue pill people think that this kinds of like uh, abuse and uh, you know uh, domineering sort of weird behavior doesn't doesn't happen, but it's just no, and it's just it's, I don't know, it's very very strange. So they, yeah, it's it's frustrating because it's uh, it's in the shape of something that makes sense, yeah, and it just like, takes up the space. It is essentially like intellectual astroturfing in a way. Is. You know, it's just like I can't get to the truth because there's this gummy shape. It's weird around you know, it. Yeah, if they if they're like a genuine sort of like research organization and they are gen, genuinely victim advocates for people yeah. who suffer this kind of abuse, 
I would not be doing the show. I would. I, I want. I want. I want to. If we can convince, could we we rewire the show to convince QAnon people? I want them all in a very uh, big warehouse. They're going to be on bicycles and they're going to be powering Bitcoin rigs right. for me to become incredibly wealthy. But what we tell them, we play it on the big screen. It's a bit like that Black Mirror episode. But on the big screen, we play like a thing where at the end of the road, there's Hillary Clinton, and you never quite get to her. She's just running and like. But she's looking running over and she has shoulder. a child. You can save this child and you're just. <laughs> Just keep keep biking. Just keep biking, and I'm a fucking Bitcoin millionaire. All right, I'm gonna think, be like McCaffrey. I think, I think uh, the second phase of this podcast is already set in motion. Yeah, Where's our island, boys? We need to find an island to own. Wait, I hear uh, Epstein's is gonna be up for sale oh, soon. That's true. Yeah. Probably, what do you guys think? We probably, can move in. I hear probably get it cheap. No one will want to touch that. I hear the basement is amazing. <laughs> I want to turn the temple into like kind of like a cool game room. Hell's yeah, like, yes, like, yeah. That's our arcade. Yeah, a cool arcade. <laughs> uh, everything on free play. The second strange thing about QAnon people gloating over Nexium revelations is that. Q and the QAnon community were way behind the curve on the story. In fact, the very first time that Q posted about it was uh, March 28th, 2018. And that Q drop contained a link to a Fox News article about allegations that authorities made about Keith Raniere after he had already been arrested in Mexico. So that seems like a glaring omission on behalf of Q, considering the, you know, the reported allegations about Keith Raniere's behavior, much like Epstein's case, go back for many, many years. Like you mentioned, in 2003, there was that Forbes article that basically called it a cult. Yeah. And uh, there's a, of course, and also like you mentioned, in two, October of 2017, uh, sort of like all the sort of lure details about like uh, uh, the sexual abuse and the branding were revealed in the New York Times. The Mockingbird media broke the story. Yeah. In addition, of course, to the victims coming forward and telling their own stories. Yeah. Again, this is another instance where like the like the mainstream media and of course the victims did a lot of work exposing what was going on and the, the, the QAnon community or the weird online researchers did nothing, but they still feel validated and they still take credit for it. That's right. But let's talk about what Q did say about Nexium. Oh yeah. So in QAnon world, Allison Mack is going to bring down big names in Hollywood and government, including Congressman Adam Schiff. Ah. Yeah. Here's what Q said in April 20th, 2018, Q drop. Mac is naming names. Big names in H. Wood slash government, local, federal, proof, the standard hotel, helicopter crash, all related, future will proof past, A.S. Feeling okay today? <laughs> Why is the MX border, Long Beach port so important? Talk, LLC, Q. Wait a minute. Is the he suggesting? Is, is he suggesting that TikTok, <laughs> the popular don't, social don't media do it, app, don't do it? Is, is, don't do it, baby. Spelled is, spell differently. Don't do it. Is using the videos <laughs> of the children <laughs> to oh guys no, go down a rabbit hole. Don't do it. Back. Like braces, pull them back earrings out. and. <laughs> So this is uh, one of Q's most cryptic posts. I don't think I've actually seen Q on followers really form a coherent narrative or conspiracy theory of what's going on here. So uh, Allison Mack did negotiate a plea deal with prosecutors on uh, April 8th, 2019. Mack pleaded guilty to racketeering conspiracy and racketeering charges and is scheduled for sentencing in September of this year. But contrary to what Q, that Q drop says, there's there's no evidence quite yet that she's implicated any big name Hollywood or government officials. I mean, there might be more people involved, but but whether or not you know who they are and whether or not Mac has named them, that's just not not in evidence. 
Mac remains the most famous person implicated in Nexium. In that drop, the Standard Hotel is mentioned. And that's a reference to a, a downtown Los Angeles hotel that's just called The Standard. Me and Jake have had drinks at, at the top of that. So if you want to add that to the deep state. Right. Oh, well. To the deep, deep state trove. Right. Well, if you see Adam Schiff, like, strolling in there with a uh, child, like, stop him. Okay, I will okay, immediately uh, stop him. But yeah. I was too busy, you know, like, ordering my burger and then, like, complaining that there was a bunch of chads with fucking flip-flops wandering around, bumming me out. <laughs> yep. This Q drop made QAnon followers very convinced that Congressman Adam Schiff did something unspeakable with children there. They don't know exactly what he did or when or who the victims are. But they are convinced that Schiff did something there bad at some point in the past. And this is why on Twitter, you often see QAnon followers responding to uh, Adam Schiff tweets by tweeting some variation of uh, what happened at the Standard Hotel, Adam, or we know all about the Standard Hotel. Take, for example, this exchange between two QAnon followers on Twitter from just this past week. Uh, Vinny's Digital Emporium says... Why are you so scared, shift pants? Scared people will learn about the Standard Hotel. Danae says, I am late to the party. Can someone please inform me what happened at the Standard Hotel? I googled and can't find anything. Is that where they spied on Papadopoulos? Vinny responds, Sex crimes against children. Danae says, K. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we see the bakers doing their job, passing the information to the people, and they eat it. They uh, love it. Okay. Uh, I love okay. I, I right. love this exchange. Okay. It's like, I'll be like, oh, what happened? Oh, they're raping children. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, the, so the standard, the usual then? Okay. Okay. The standard okay. hotel. Park for the, oh, right. yeah. Can't say I'm surprised oh. at this point with all the crumbs I've been baking. Yeah. This kind of illustrates how weirdly numb they are to like the, yeah. the most horrifying, bizarre allegations. On May 14th, 2018, there was another cute drop that alleged that Allison Mack was naming names. Allison Mack, Nexium, arrested date. When does a bird sing? <laughs> Schneiderman resigns. Date? Coincidence? Eyes wide open. Who will be next? Watch NYC. Watch C-A-Q. So here Q is implying that since Allison Mack was arrested on April 20th, 2018, and uh, New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman announced his resignation a few weeks afterwards on May 7th, that means that Allison Mack somehow exposed Schneiderman's supposed involvement with Nexium. Uh, of course, the real reason that Schneiderman resigned is that the journalist Ronan Farrow and Jane Meyer published a report in The New Yorker alleging that Schneiderman had physically abused four women. So here we have yet another instance in which mainstream media reporters expose the wrongdoings of powerful people and not the QAnon community. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so weird. It's like it, it doesn't happen all the time when, you know, the, the media exposes the horrifying things that powerful people do, but it does happen sometimes and they just can't give the media credit when it happens. In truth, Q doesn't talk about Nexium a whole lot. The organization is referenced in just six Q drops. So without guidance from Q, the QAnon community has been tasked to try to find out who else is connected to Nexium themselves. And uh, they make connections in lots of different ways. Uh, for example, here is an introduction to a video titled Epstein is the Glue, How Nexium and Pizzagate Are All Connected. In the whole video, a YouTuber named Memory Hold spends an hour and 25 minutes uh, going through a presentation deck that includes 120 slides. 
Well, that's good. So anyway, what I did was I put together a slideshow here. Uh, very minimal, but I think it uh, drives the point home. And here's the thing. I can spend forever on this, and it would still never be fully mapped out properly. All right? That's just that's just the way these things work. Well, yeah. But he's so young. Why is I he know. doing this with I his don't time? Know, yeah, it's like it's an hour and a half. I watched the video. It's mostly like images of like, you know, a weird art and convoluted connections. But yeah, it's like this. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I could build this mind palace for eight years. <laughs> so let me give you a few examples of the connections they come up with. Um, for example, they try to connect Senator Kristen Gillibrand to Nexium. In uh, 2004, Senator Gillibrand's father, Doug Rutnick, worked as an attorney for Nexium for four months in 2004 at the rate of 25 grand a month. An anonymous source told the gossip site, uh, page six, that when Rutnick wanted to quit, he was falsely sued, and that when he uh, ended the relationship with the organization, he wound up paying back the $100,000 that he'd been paid, and he was forced to sign a confidentiality agreement, which, uh, from what we know from the organization, that all checks out. However, uh, they tend to gloss over other big names uh, who, might, who might be connected with Nexium, such as like Roger Stone, who worked for the organization for two months in 2007. Uh, so, you know, Roger Stone was a... Trump campaign advisor, but for some reason they they don't they don't make the one step connection between Nexium and Trump. Roger Stone, a sex crazed lunatic. <laughs> right, what are you talking about people in the QAnon community, uh, including friend of the show Neon Revolt, also often allege that Stormy Daniels, who famously was uh, paid hush money for her affair with Donald Trump, has a Nexium brand on her hip that was covered up by a tattoo. She does not. But Neon speculated that possibly Stormy and Trump were actually working together to help take down Nixium. Here's what he wrote. Let's construct a possible timeline. Stormy starts her porn career, gets involved with some shady characters. These people all just, it's just comic books from the 90s. Like, that's their entire fucking reality. Possibly joins Nexium, gets involved with more shady and connected <laughs> characters. Seems all right at first, you know, as far as cults go, but the deeper she goes, the more disturbed that she gets. Ends up at Trump's golf course. One day, they become friends. What the fuck? She does something of a, a soft escape from Nexium. She keeps connected, but distances herself. She keeps doing porn and probably keeps donating to the cult. They're fine with that, so long as the cash keeps rolling in. Trump gets elected. They love that part of every story they write. Trump gets elected. He was elected and he's your president. <laughs> now, Stormy realizes she has a friend in a very powerful position now. And so spills the beans on the pedo network in Hollywood. In fact, she probably does this before he's elected. They formulate a plan and team up. Trump knows how he's perceived and how she is perceived. And they work off that angle, concocting a story of a lurid affair. In exchange, Stormy gets to finally escape the Nexium cult. Bad people who might otherwise have hurt her will go to jail. She agrees to play her part, and the media can't help but cover it nonstop. It's irresistible bait. In the meantime, the Trump admin gets to clean house as the smokescreen provides cover for them. Why focus on firings and such when there's this lurid story to tell? And the best part? Who's funding this lawsuit? Imagine your friend fucked a porn star... And then you had to make this shit up. <laughs> like, just wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So in that story, he's, he's, he's implying that Trump funded the lawsuit that Stormy Daniels filed against Trump, which was, you know, eventually dismissed. Uh, Neon so Revolt is a, a 
deeply stupid person. <laughs> so there are lots of problems with that theory. Among them, Stormy Daniels gave an interview about her affair uh, with Trump to In Touch Weekly in 2011. So it's not something that she just made up prior to the election. Uh, there is a, a scar on her hip, according to Stormy, but uh, she claims that it comes from a surgery scar. No, no way, man. They just fucked up holding her down, I guess, because if you yeah. look at the Keith Ranieri initials, they are brutal. Yeah. They are yeah, exactly. deep burns. Absolutely. Like you cannot, you cannot especially, confuse it with something else. It is, it is strange, especially, you know, in uh, Stormy's case, you know, her profession requires her to uh, be filmed naked. So what, there would be you, tons of evidence if she did in fact have this scar. Yeah, what do you mean true. she's filmed naked? <laughs> well, maybe when you're a little older. Okay. <laughs> But let's talk about the big fish, uh, the Hillary Clinton connections to Nexium that uh, QAnon people often allege. Uh, a lot of the supposed connections, they're, they're real rabbit holes. Uh, for example, they, uh, they point out that the brother of Claire Broffman, Matthew Broffman, is chairman of the board for the investment firm Broffman E.L. Rothschild. And you know who else is on that investment firm's board? Linda Rothschild. Boom. It's all coming together. Oh, shit. Damn. But it gets better. The firm Brofman E.L. Rothschild invested in a construction company called Semex, and Semex has partnered with the Clinton Foundation a few times. Uh, for example, in 2014, Semex pledged support to the Clinton Foundation's Project Concern International to provide lower-cost housing loans in Guatemala, Mexico, and Zambia. I it, mean, is there a better name for the Democratic uh, platform than Project Concern International? <laughs> <laughs> In uh, 2013, uh, Semex joined uh, Clinton Foundation efforts to bolster youth employment in 10 Latin American countries. So, yeah, they were they were in some really, really depraved stuff there, you could tell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this isn't just uh, like the network of how money works I, yeah, amongst like, the wealthy. <laughs> yeah, so th yeah, this is how it works. So, yeah, so Clinton is directly connected to our foundation, which occasionally yeah. partnered with a construction company, which was invested in by a wealth management company. And that company's chairman is Matthew Broffman, who was the brother of Claire Broffman, who was a major financial backer of Dexium. Boom. They got might, her. They That's must, enough for me. Done. She's done. They must she's have been down. pissed that uh, Broffman weren't Jewish. <laughs> They're like, God damn it. How can we do? Ah, Rothschild. There it is. <laughs> but, you know, I actually did some digging on my own. I found some uh, connections that uh, the QAnon community might have missed. Uh, oh, so, here we go. So this, this is a big one. So I found out that, you know, Allison Mack, who was like a recruiter, basically, for Nexium, pled guilty to uh, very serious charges. Uh, she acted in the 1991 miniseries Switched at Birth, which uh, also featured the actress Beth Grant. Beth Grant also performed in the movie Flatliners with Kevin Bacon. So Nixium has a bacon number of just three. Boom. Wow. That's Dude, amazing. That's, I like bacon. It's very tasty. And I like Flatliners. I actually think one, it's, yeah. a, it's a good, it's, it's an interesting horror movie. Uh, they remade it recently. Uh, I did not watch the, re, the remake, but... Um, yeah. Have no, you read the book? Huh? There's you, a book? No. I knew it. But you wouldn't have read it either. No, I wouldn't have read it anyways, but, but there was no book, so there was no opportunity for me to read it. <laughs> But uh, probably the most common Clinton connection they cite is uh, the fact that uh, Nixium, high-level Nixium officials made uh, campaign contributions to the Clinton presidential campaign. And that, that is absolutely true. Yep. Um, so um, they, they, they donated apparently up to, what was it, was it $29,900? And they, they, they were very convinced that this would buy them some sway, apparently. Mm. <laughs> it's just a fucking drop in the bucket compared to, you know, the multi-million dollar donors. Mark Vicente, a documentary filmmaker and former high-ranking member of the group, testified at the Keith Ranieri trial that Claire 
Claire Broffman approached him and a few other members of the group to help her make a contribution to a Clinton campaign as a way to curry favor with Hillary. So obviously this doesn't implicate Hillary in any sense that there's no there's no evidence that she did anything for the organization there's no like personal connection and she can't like help who donates to her yeah but they don't know that to to summon Hillary you have to pray to Moloch and rub the the nexium shaped amulet like they just didn't understand the uh the plates they found in in the mountain related Mm -hmm. to this However, for some QAnon followers, the fact that uh, Nexium members gave uh, to the Clinton campaign is sufficient to claim that Hillary Clinton is in league with Satan. Here's a clip of QAnon followers and Vandersteel and Patrick Howley alleging just that. Oh, boy. There is a religion called Satanism, and the, that religion, which practices witchcraft, believes, uh, due to the teachings of Aleister Crowley, that... Their spells and their summoning of demons from hell is enhanced by child molestation and child sacrifice and human sacrifice, but especially of children. And that is a fact. That's a fact of our world. And you can call it a conspiracy theory, but but it, it's something that we have to confront. Who do, so were there names, were there people named as Satanists during this trial, specific names besides Keith Raniere? Well, it's pretty clear that Claire Bronfman was uh, as well. Um, uh, Keith Raniere definitely was a Satanist. Um, the cult itself was described as Luciferian. Okay, doesn't even have a third name. So <laughs> incredible. It, it, it's pretty obvious. You don't even so have a fucking third name in your mouth. Extrapolate then that Hillary Clinton, who took illegal campaign finance from the Nexium sex cult, is as a Satanist. Does that make her a Satanist because she was taking money illegally from yes. uh, a, a group think, that was bundling money illegally? And, Absolutely. Uh, donating to Hillary Clinton? Well, I believe 100% that if you look at the spirit of the knows, which Hillary Clinton tried so hard to, to hide from, um, if you look at uh, various things she said dating back years, she is part of what, and, and when you start using these terms like the Illuminati or the New World <laughs> Order, I mean, these are actual terms that are used oh. in these circles. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> and people on the internet understand that. It, it's very clear to me that she is a Satanist. Um, wow. it, obvious. I mean, I, I was the lead Hillary Clinton reporter right during the election. I reported on her brain injury. I reported on various things. <laughs> Big league politics. Scandal. Yeah. And it was very, very clear to me that she was a Satanist. John Podesta is a Satanist. Mm-hmm. And I believe George Soros as well. Is a Dale, Satanist. There you yeah, go. There we go. And so they have a vested interest in, you know, uh, keeping this religion going. And, and, and um, part of that involves human trafficking. Oh. You can just see how satisfied she loves it. And Vandersteel yeah. is the moment she gets him to go. You know, hundred percent. Hillary's a Satanist. Yeah, yeah. She can't even contain it. She mm. looks like a. She's glowing. Uh, yeah. Uh, Q continues to imply that there is much more to the Nexium story that we're not being told. Here's a very recent June eleventh, two thousand nineteen Q drop. How does LDR Rothschilds connect to the Bronfmans? Find the bridge. Think company. How is Bronfman connected to Nexium? Go backwards. <laughs> Nexium leads to who pleaded guilty? Allison Mack? When does a bird sing? Watch NYC. News unlocks. 5-5. Five, five. Q. 
So the way that the QAnon community reacted to Nexium, I think is a good example of like just the worst habits of the QAnon community. They, they failed to give credit to the individuals who actually helped take down the powerful people they hate so much. And you really, I think that they hate the mainstream media more than they actually hate powerful sex abusers. So they just, they're just incapable of uh, giving credit where it's due. Yeah. Well, as Bill Mitchell recently said, uh, you know, we, we can't count on Fox News anymore. So that's how far to the right they've gone, that they're dissatisfied with the, you know, propaganda outlet that right. is pumping out like neo-Nazi bullshit. Well, I mean, the, the, I mean, the whole thing about believing in Q is that you believe that the Q team is behind everything and the media just sort of, you know, steals his thunder. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's, 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 it's very, very obnoxious. It doesn't leave okay, any room for... Okay, how much money for... would you pay for Q bathwater? Um, <laughs> hmm. Like from the actual one actual of the posters, yeah, whoever actual. it is, they sat in a bathtub and you get that water in a nice little bucket. I don't think I would pay anything, but, but I that, would but you're imagine like, you're that like Obelix. You fell into the Q bath water when you were a kid, so you no longer need to drink it to have special powers. Uh, you know about Asterix and Obelix, right? I all sh- Americans do. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I think that that a true uh, a true Q believer would probably pay upwards of. Fifty nine ninety nine for a yeah. uh, for a vial. <laughs> no of, refunds. No refunds. Right. Yeah. Or shipping and handling. It depends on how great the um, product description is written right. and what the other reviews are. The other bad habit I think the the QAnon community is that they always gild the lily on these cases. Here, this is a good thing happened. It's like a powerful abusive person was brought to justice. They should be you know happy and celebratory and satisfied with that. But instead, it's just not enough. So they make all these bizarre, crazy connections. And also, Hillary Clinton is a Satanist, and they just they're just perpetually unhappy with no matter no even when they get what they want, they're yeah. unhappy with it. Yeah. yeah, 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 because it doesn't implicate the main bad guy. Interview with Sarah Berman. Sarah Berman is a senior editor at Vice Canada. She's writing a book about Nexium. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thanks Hello. for coming on. Thanks for coming on and saving us from having to go too deep and becoming specialists on this subject. Because speaking <laughs> from uh, personal experience, it's been uh, it's been it's been rough. Like it is a very it's the definition of a rabbit hole, and it it's pretty dark when you go uh, get into this stuff. Yeah, it is. I actually stopped uh, searching Twitter for Nexium just because it was being, you know, it's a tag on almost anything related to QAnon, and it's yeah, it's a tough rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, and and I mean, you've been writing a book on it. How has that experience been so far? Right. Yeah. So it's been interesting. I definitely started writing about this topic before Q was a thing, before there was charges against this guy. And at the time, the sort of ex-members were like really happy to get any media. Like they were sending me tips. It was like almost this wave of stuff and they were trying to get coverage. And so, yeah, I, uh, I listened to them. I was like sort of exploring some what I thought were a little, I guess, conspiracist ideas. But like I was like, OK, well, it's what they think. Um just like they thought that uh, the ex-members were, they were like flying monkeys coming after these ex-members. What? So like, like <laughs> that's what they, that's the name that they have for like what Nexium does to try and ruin people's careers and, you know, lives. Oh, um, right, right. So like one of the things I got asked to investigate was like, I don't know, some woman got a complaint against her at her massage job. Like she's a masseuse, an RMT. 
And I was like, well, I'm not going to look into that, but okay. Like, I get it. You guys feel besieged. So that was really interesting. I thought I had like just a flood of material. Uh, and then the charges came and then people were very quiet. Like they had lawyered up and they had like sort of moved into this protecting, you know, themselves from the tabloid machinery mode. And um, so that was a challenge. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good. It's a... Uh, <laughs> I'm at 92,000 words. That's a lot. Of oh, my God. Wow. I, <laughs> I struggle to do, like, 2,000 for our, like, articles for the show. <laughs> yeah. The spoken articles that Jake does for the show are always, yeah, around 2,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Jake. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, 2,000 is, is its own mountain, too. Like, I, I struggled with the just getting it out, like you had to cut off reporting on this trial because there was so much like a test. So like someone testifying for eight hours in a day, that's eight hours of like interview, you know, like as a reporter, you never have eight hours of interview, right? In a yeah. day, there's too much. You can't fit it in the news. That's why like a longer format sort of works. So I hear that, uh, you know, watching the Keith Renaire, um, trial at home is one thing but when you go to the trial itself it's like going to the cinema it's a it's a lusher experience have you have you made that trip <laughs> i mean that that was something actually that was said to me by uh what's her name vanessa uh who wrote for the new york times magazine uh she interviewed alice mack she was like oh i wish i had popcorn this is like you know <laughs> tv and i did not yeah. really have that experience it was like a lot of trauma I felt like pretty, you know, heavy at the end of the day um, and just trying to like, yeah, get out the story with it without like, I don't know, trying to be a little bit respectful of people's trauma. Um, but yeah, it was I mean, some of the days there were real characters on the stand like, uh, I don't know, uh, Steve Herbitz, who I, I just mentioned to you before we started recording he's a real if you want to talk about it, like a deep state guy he's like really got uh, <laughs> an old school like pentagon vibe and uh he was really interesting to hear from um but yeah lots of characters for sure have you figured out who the uh, plants are who the intelligence plants are no i mean <laughs> definitely i uh i've speculated more than a few times about <laughs> Uh, all that stuff. I actually read this book recently, Chaos. Have you uh, heard of it? No. By Tom O'Neill. It's about Manson um, and the CIA connections there. Like, I guess two years before the murders, like he he's sort of speculating that there were like people from the CIA just sort of surrounding him. And like, mm. that's a real, it'll hurt your brain read, but it's really well done. Like he's a really interesting writer. Yeah. And so the trial, I mean, that's, you know, that's like the epilogue. Um, but, but I mean, Keith uh, and his workshops and all that stuff, they, they've been going on for a long time now. Did, you, did yeah. you, in the process, did you attend anything like Nexium related or even like Nexium Light? Uh, yeah. So I've had some ex-members that have been really helpful in like walking me through some of the quote unquote modules. So I got the like inside the classroom experience. She also like oh walked me through, this is Sarah Edmondson. She was in that podcast that a lot of people listen to. Um, 
Escaping Nexium on CBC by Josh Black, my colleague at CBC. Shout out. <laughs> but yeah, she also like showed me the pitching process. Um, it's almost like a seduction process. They like make you food. They make you feel so welcome. They're like, there's like these stages of like becoming a Nexium person. And my boyfriend, he was like, I don't know. Do you really want to do that? Like, yeah. Maybe don't. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. But I have. Do. I don't know. So wait, what's the Nexium cuisine like? What's their... It's super vegan, or, or actually not, it's pseudo-vegan is what she called it, because it has ghee in it, which is, I guess, clarified butter. Uh, but, like, poached eggs, they did it for, for Vanessa as well. Uh, Sarah Bronfman did for, for that magazine piece. Just greens and, oh, what was it even called? Kefir water? Like, a level up from kombucha as like a greeny granola thing. Yeah, um, it's very whole foods, all of it. Well, you yeah. know, <laughs> here, here in like the liberal Hollywood city of Chicago on the West Coast <laughs> where it's sunny all year, we have no idea what it's like to drink kefir water <laughs> and to, to have ghee in, in the place of our, uh, of our butter. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's kind of like, that, that's what always blows my mind with some of these things that could be so violent and ideologically reprehensible. And then they're like, but we eat vegan. It's a, yeah. We're going to be healthy when we sexually abuse our, our victims. You know, it's just, it's, it's wild to me. Um, and he did grow out his hair. Like he did start to get that weird John Lennon vibe there in like the early 2010s. I think Keith shifted a bit from like a software developer to, to, to some, something akin to uh, maybe like a tech a kind of a illuminated tech bro. Yeah, like maybe like a like a Apple garage employee <laughs> like in the yeah. early 80s. Yeah, he definitely like idolized, I don't know, Bill Gates and shit. Um yeah, he's gone through a few visual like aesthetics. Most of them he says that he, you know, would just look like quite the creature if he didn't have his like sort of helpful companions you know, buying all his clothes and sort of styling him. <laughs> oh my God. He has like, oh my gosh. he called it an aesthetic team. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I just love to build a pyramid and be like, get up there, like finish the pyramid, cut the ribbon. Hey, I just like to thank all the slaves that died building this for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Yeah. It's like maybe if he discovered like stitch fix or something, uh, <laughs> this could have all been avoided. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. okay. Tell us a little bit about the Nexium philosophy and, and belief system. Sure. So at the beginning of every day of every course, they would have to read this 12-point mission statement. Um, I don't know if you've heard it before, but it has this line in it, like the second point is like, there are no ultimate victims, therefore I will choose not to be a victim, which you know is a convenient thing wow. to sort of have people mm, say if you're going to do crimes on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, Wow. Another point in that 12-point list was, um, you know, control mo as much of the world's wealth as humanly possible and use it ethically. Um, and so, yeah, like they were trying to take all of the money, you know, like doesn't matter how you got it. If you get it and use it ethically, then that's like yeah. changing the world for good. And then like to be totally ethical, you have to become integrated, um, like an integrated person. So like, Scientology has this concept of being clear or going clear. Yeah. And Nexium, it was called being at cause. And so that's when your internal representation of reality like matches the external reality. Because uh -huh. like apparently it's like 
boring plebs with problems, we have an internal representation of reality that's based on like misperception and jealousy and like all these projection type things. And, and so taking a Nexium course will take away those disintegrations is what they call them. And so you become more integrated, more at cause. Um, and so that's how you become ethical. It just so happens it's like, okay, more, you know, coercion and brainwashing essentially. Yeah. And um, I mean, the entire history, the structure of it all is is multi-level marketing and always has been for Keith. So it's, it's always interesting to see him um, like what uh, belief system he'll kind of superpose to the structure that he knows works so well. And the government had to like, you know, basically force him to shut down several of them and even, you know, kind of pay a fine and promise he'd never do it again. Of course, the final form, right. you know, it was like he had like the daycares for children. I mean, there were all these things that he was opening where it's like, well, I guess it's not an MLM. And it's like Scientology it just gets too big to to properly regulate. Right. Yeah. So it's so interesting, the intertwining of these like almost coercion tactics and like specifically multi-level marketing, like they've sort of been intertwined since like, I guess since this thing called NLP was invented in the seventies, you know what neuro-linguistic programming is? Um, only, only just because I read a little bit about it uh, in this research, but tell, tell us about it. Right. So it's pseudoscience. Like if you ask a like real researcher on any of these subjects, it's like that is a sketchy, like based on very tenuous premises. But this integration thing actually comes from that. It 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 sort of says that, yeah, we have all these internal representation systems and you can um, you can be more persuasive to people if you hack their uh, internal representation system. So say I'm more of a visual person. You can use visual language or like, oh, I'm more of a touchy-feely person. You use more touchy-feely language and you build like a rapport and like you essentially get somebody into a very suggestible state just by like either mirroring them or there's some other kind of induction techniques. But it's like low-grade hypnotism yeah. and it's like used like tony robbins is also an nlp freak like all the multi-level marketing companies suggest using it to basically i don't know get in people's heads and like try to persuade them even if it's not what they want you know what i mean yeah absolutely and so the people get brought in and when they're integrated what does the hierarchy look like within the company the structure is a pyramid. So it started as uh, executive success programs in 1998. And, and so this, you know, you would get free courses or a commission if you brought more people in. So that's like pretty, yeah, you know, obvious. That's the first pyramid. But then he started selecting people to go into business with him to essentially launch, you know, new MLMs in different forms. And that, that's where you get the like, childcare thing that you mentioned, the Rainbow Cultural Garden. There are also, you know, fitness ones and like uh, acting, obviously, right, the source. Um, and there were women's and men's groups. And they all had basically the same premise. Usually they would have the same introductory like questionnaire, pitch, and like some form of retreat. So if it wasn't the like intensive, it was like a weekend retreat. Um, and, and where they would introduce these, these concepts that are, you know, they're basically 
showing all your secrets, giving them your emotional triggers and like, yeah, giving them levers to manipulate you is, I would say, the basics. And then, yeah, so that all became under the umbrella of Nexium. So ESP is sort of like this one branch of, uh, of many. Um, so that's kind of how the structure works. And then DOS is this other sort of spinoff. It was trying to be separate. It was definitely not separate. Actually, he'd been working on it for like 10 years. That's sort of one of the weird things that came out in the trial is that like as early as 2005, he was thinking about a blackmail MLM and specifically using, you know, life's destroying collateral like naked photos to sort of, you know, leverage people. So like that was, I think, in his mind in 2005. He didn't pull the trigger until 10 years later. Um, But yeah. It's incredible how the the MLM structure kind of gives uh, uh, a kind of legal and financial way to integrate these manipulation systems uh, in at least, yeah, at least like a kind of a semi-legal way. But it sounds like he got very busy founding different stuff. So can you tell us when Keith Renier founded The Daily Caller? <laughs> <laughs> he did try and start a media org, but it wasn't a Nazi one. Yoga Daily or whatever. No, it's called the Knife of Aristotle. Oh, and oh my. I know these idiots, that they're all about like reason and logic or whatever. Actually, Nikki Klein, the actress, was like pretty much heading it up. Uh, but she wrote under a pseudonym. They would basically pitch, come learn about journalism for five weeks. Oh, yeah, you pay for it. But then, and then it was basically a backdoor recruiting into Nexium. But they were like very critical of media. They thought that media got everything wrong, that everything was, you know, twisted and manipulated, and they were just going to do the data, like just show yeah. the. It's very yeah. QAnon of them. There was at least uh, proof on on Keith's side that there was um, child abuse happening and, and sexual abuse happening. Can, can you tell us a little more about that aspect of, of Nexium? Right. Yeah. So this was very interesting, actually. So when the first indictment came out for sex trafficking, um, forced labor conspiracy and wire fraud conspiracy. So this was when it was just Keith and then soon after Allison Mack. Some law clerk had put on a docket on like Pacer and had, I guess, included the whole sex trafficking statute Um, and so the language of the like legal document is like, okay, this is what sex trafficking is in America is either if you compel a a commercial sex act by force, fraud or coercion, or you just compel a commercial sex act using someone under 18, right? There doesn't have to be force, fraud or coercion if they're under age, just giving you that backup because they had included the statute. And so somebody had misread this docket and said it was child sex trafficking, right? So this was in April 2018. And the QAnon people went bananas with it. I did know at that time, like I'd been talking with ex-members and they were like, yeah, like some of the women from Mexico, they were underage when they came over. It's just not on the scale that like QAnon is imagining, you know what I mean? Like they think there's a farm for babies to be used for sex or whatever. And it's like just not that. I naively engaged with some of these people, like that blonde woman who like makes videos. Do you know what I mean? Oh, oh was that amazing Polly? Polly is Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. So I was trying to explain to her, like, no, if you read the indictment, 
this sex trafficking is like the only Jane Doe's that are in this indictment are over 18. There's no child sex trafficking. Like he's still a very bad guy who still did a very bad thing. And there may be more charges coming, right? Like that's essentially what I did. I called the department of justice and I was like, is there child sex trafficking? Is that in the charges? And they're like, no, that's just the full statute. Yeah, I and guess so people I like, people get a bit confused because there is at least allegations that Keith had sexual relationships with um, multiple 15-year-old girls, right? Exactly, yeah. So And so a whole year later, they finally added not child sex trafficking, but they added child exploitation and, you know, creating and possessing child porn because he took a photo of this 15-year-old um, who, yeah, like was a Jane Doe in in the new indictment. But like, yeah, child sex trafficking was not part of it. And like, I know that's, I guess, too much nuance to ask from for the internet, but like, it just made me <laughs> so mad. I mean, they're doing the same thing with the Epstein case. They, they're, they're kind of muddily covering over the reality of, of uh, the people who've been involved in uncovering it, journalists, whatever, um, yeah. prosecutors. Yeah, they would yell about how the mainstream media isn't covering this. That's because it's not in the charges. <laughs> like, and then finally, when I did report it, you know, like on this new child exploitation charge, of course, QAnon went bananas, just retweeted it everywhere. That's par for the course for QAnon. No matter how horrendous the actual charges are or horrendous the actual credible allegations are, it's never enough for them. They always need something more. I feel like there's there's got to be something uh, more fantastically horrifying that uh, that isn't being reported, even if it's there's yeah. no evidence for that. Yeah, Travis yeah. did a did a whole article actually about this in the in the I think it was for Wapo that was like basically how how these conspiracy theorists kind of taint the justice that they seek. Can you deny that it's a, a dish is always better with a little bit of spice? <laughs> I, I cannot. I mean, this is beyond spice. This is worms for brains. I don't know. I got mad at uh, the QAnon folks in my Twitter mentions, and it it didn't go well. Oh no. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can't oh, yeah. just tell them to go away. No, but... no, 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 no. Then you're over the target. If it's like, go away, it's like, what are you hiding? Yeah. Then, you know, there's yeah. all, they're, they're, you're never going to win with them. That's for sure. My experience, the best way to deal with them is snide mockery and pity. They really don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll keep that in mind. So but... can you, there's a really weird side uh, thing here uh, in this story. It's that Keith tried to convince people that they were reincarnated Nazis. I've asked the Nazi question so many times in so many ways and like folks are really embarrassed about it. They're like, <laughs> it was so early on, you know, and it didn't continue after 2001 or whatever. Like, but yeah, so this was a, a strategy he seemed to use. I mean, he at the beginning was exploring all kinds of weird new agey self-healthy things, right? So he was exploring past lives. Like the first 15 uh, year old, um, at least that was ever publicly reported that he had abused. Uh, her name's Gina Melita, or sorry, no, Gina Hutchinson. There were two Ginas. She was convinced that she was a Buddhist goddess in a previous life, that they knew each other in this previous life. And it just sort of solidified there that they had a connection. And he's doing trance state type sourcing. Like it's just hippy dippy, like, but you know, if you get into that kind of state and you like remember it and you, you know, adopt it as part of your identity, it's like pretty powerful out of 15 year old girls ideas of spirituality and like what's out there, you know, you can kind of see it 
working. So then, yeah, later when he's got this harem already sort of going, he's um, again, just sort of using it as leverage. And again, how they got there is like questionable. Like it sounds like it was just sort of thrown out there as like, Oh, I don't know. Like, if you were a Nazi, like, this is who you would be, don't you think? Like, is there <laughs> meaning and connection here? It's like superlatives, the most likely to be Goebbels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I talked to a former member who said it would not really come up in the, like, training or whatever, but, like, socially, it would be something that he would throw out as, like, I think there's a connection here. So, like, Barbara Boucher, who was an ex-girlfriend of his, yeah. Um, she was maybe the butcher of Prague and like, (laughs) (laughs) this is like QAnon level shit. It's the Chelsea handler, child handler thing. It's oh, that is great. So this got used to guilt them. Like maybe they need to atone for their past life and they can do that by helping spread the Nexium mission or potentially even just having sex with him. It depended on who you were. Mm -hmm. Um, so Nancy Salzman, the president of the company, she thought, that like, um, if she had only believed in Keith sooner and like um, had started working on this ethics and integration work, you know, earlier, that maybe she could have prevented 9-11. Like that was a belief of hers at one point that she talked about publicly. Sure. Wow. So like yeah. all of these like cosmological things, like they believe everything is connected to everything else. It's sort of like mystical idea of interconnectedness. And that they could just by talking about these things start to make them be more real, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, okay. So speaking of interconnectedness, they clearly had a lot of connections in the kind of political and financial world. Can you tell us a little bit uh, more about that menagerie and like the the kind of power it gave them uh, circa 2009, like you mentioned? Yeah. In court, they basically showed like this was them trying to prove that there was a criminal enterprise. The prosecutors showed how they all donated Claire Bronfman's money to the 2007 Hillary campaign, like Hillary for president. And that was an illegal donation because they were trying to get around campaign limits by spreading it out among many members. So they were, yeah, they, but they, they were a little naive about like how politics works. Like they just wanted power for power's sake. They didn't have any particular like Democrat or Republican alliance. They showed some of these documents that Claire Bronfman was making up of powerful people we should pursue. And there was like Newt Gingrich in there. There's like, <laughs> They're like he, he'd be easy to get. That's an easy get. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if they've donated to Newt Gingrich. They just thought about it at the mm. very least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had Elliot Spitzer, Chuck Schumer, you know, um, they were very tight with, a. Uh, Republican Joseph Bruno. He was like a senator in New York. He had a lot of sway. Like he was going to bat for them. It sounded like, I don't know what the like dollars situation is on that front, but, and then also Steve Pigeon, he's somebody I've actually talked to who like did some sort of political strategizing with them. Same with Roger Stone. He was hired by them. He wasn't like donated to or anything but they seem yeah. to have terrible tastes in politicians you know even <laughs> even among a political class that is pretty <laughs> rotten that is well because they were asking such insane things right like they they were trying to figure out how to get their enemies indicted right like this was their strategy yeah and so in emails claire is trying to and this is the sad part okay so steve herbert who i was talking about earlier he's like the closest closest confidant 
confidant of her dad, Edgar Bronfman. And so Edgar is personally friends with the Clintons. And Claire, through the Steve Herbitz guy, she's emailing him back and forth, trying to get him to like make connections for her because she wants to see like this cult educator guy, Rick Ross, indicted. Like she thinks he should go to jail just because like the allegations were nothing. It was like, oh, you printed materials online, you know, like it was not a jail worthy uh, offense. But um, and so he's actually, you know, really guarding her own dad and, you know, and like trying to tell her in like not always polite words that she's being really naive, like that unless she can produce proof of these allegations, there's no way he's helping her. But she's like, I know you're powerful. I know you're part of, you know, the <laughs> yeah. like, give power, you know, like she's just sort of like, I must find somebody who will do this. So then if you find somebody who's like, well, I can get in a back room somewhere with somebody, you know, like a Roger Stone is maybe going to do that for you yes. and just like, throw it out there. Or like Steve Pigeon, he specifically told me he would put reports on DA's desks, right? Like he was just doing that for them. Like, okay. okay. I think Steve Pigeon is in jail, by the way, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Makes so, sense. Uh, definitely served a short sentence. I'm not sure if uh, he's still there. So in their mind, you have enough money and you have the right connection. You can just destroy any person you want. Are they incorrect, Travis? Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like there was almost... They just didn't know how to do it well. Yeah, it sounds like there was almost like no method to their madness that they were like, you know, something that we need to be in politics they were like he met two he met two rich girls and he's like you're rich you know everybody (laughs) let's good let's do it it was like you must be connected any any politician will do like i think that they were just like politics yeah that's where we need to be it's like nonpartisan. just like whoever they had a connection to who would be willing to you know take their money and so okay so they failed to they failed in their attempt to purchase uh, a (laughs) one-way ticket into the deep state so they are not in the deep state, and then eventually the law turns against them. Can you tell us about the denouement and how <laughs> Keith finally went down? You would think the beginning of the end would have been in 2012 when the Albany Times Union puts out this huge series on the fact that he has, you know, sexually abused several young women. And, you know, they had police reports. They had firsthand accounts. The only reason there weren't actual charges is because one of these girls who was 12 when he was, you know, assaulting her, um, didn't want to go undercover, essentially, like wear a wire and get him to admit it. So that was a huge, like, that should have changed some things. And I like talked to the editor actually at the Albany Times Union, and they were sure of it, that that in 2012 was going to be the end of Keith Raniere, but it wasn't. There was no charges. Like they had connections in the DA's office, right? Like they did not um, get any trouble then. Wow. Um, so fast forward to 2017, Sarah Edmondson, who is the head of the Vancouver chapter here, uh, she goes public about this essentially blackmail MLM called DOS, which you know, among other things, I mean, it was just such a feat of coercion and blackmail. Like they were, 
you know, just to hear about the secret group had to uh, hand over life destroying information. Like they would either admit to some sort of crime, admit that their father had molested them, true or untrue. Like most of it was untrue, but they would be incredibly intense allegations just to hear about it. And then it would be pitched as we're going to help you get your life to the next level. Like we're going to be a secret insider, you know, group of people who's going to get your dreams to come true. Um, like not what it was, obviously. Yeah. And then, yeah, like once, but once you have that blackmail material, like every decision you make after that sort of changes, right? Like, you know, that they have the potential to destroy your life. So you can't, once you've handed that over, like you can't reasonably say no to almost anything they suggest. And that's essentially what the the prosecution laid out. They were like, this is, they called it wire fraud conspiracy because it essentially like extorted more property, more damaging information. You know, like these women, once they had like wanted to hear what the secret was, they already were in a blackmail situation. Right. And so any kind of sexual relationship, some of them, you know, were into Keith. Like they thought, you know, this is this great guy. He's a smart guy. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to get in their heads. Even that, like, it doesn't matter because there was this blackmail material. So yeah, in 2017, Sarah went public about that. That started an FBI investigation out of the Eastern District of New York. And that was essentially because they said, okay, this is basically like a mafia case. Like, we're going to try it as racketeering. So this is like a big crime family and they're crossing borders. They're coming in through Brooklyn. One of the one of the women lived in Brooklyn um, and traveled to Albany to essentially fulfill these like concubine roles for for Ranieri. And yeah, so they're like, this is an international racketeering conspiracy. And uh, it turned out a jury agreed with all of that. So that's how we went down. Thanks so much for humoring us uh, on all of that. And now you're going to have to humor us even more deeply because Travis has some questions straight from the minds of QAnon. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, your research is okay. But QAnon has been looking into the situation too. <laughs> and uh, uh, they they may have uncovered some really shocking allegations. So, uh, so... <laughs> So first of all, I got to ask you, uh, so QAnon claims that uh, Allison Mack is um, naming big names in government in Hollywood who are also connected to Nexium. So who exactly did she name and when do you think they're going down? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I mean, you'll have to wait for the like Lifetime movie version of right. this story to find out probably. No, um, I mean... That's it's funny because there are more Hollywood connections than have been reported. Ooh. Like one, one of the first conversations uh, that I got on the phone with uh, Sarah Edmondson, she was like, they used to brag about, you know, a quote unquote Julia Roberts level actress. So not Julia Roberts uh, <laughs> and helping them with their divorce. Obviously, there's a lot of um, publicists that are doing great jobs to like keep some names out of the media, but they aren't like, they're not crazy evil players. They like went to one, like, I don't know, like wine and cheese event once, you know what I mean? Mm, or like, like right. they just, they maybe even paid for like Nancy Salzman to come to their, you know, fancy, um, like Fiji, <laughs> um, vacation and like talk about, you know, not being a victim or whatever. They're very tenuous. 
it's not really like their operators within it. I mean, Grace Park actually was a very active member and I'm going to say her name because I've at least interacted with her. Like she has stayed out of the media, but you know, was definitely a major player. Um, so yeah, those probably aren't the names though that Allison would mention if she actually sang. Like, to be honest, she was probably a very helpful cooperating witness, but you know, she didn't end up having to testify. So I don't know what that will mean for her in terms of a reduced sentence. Claire Bronfman is not a helpful uh, cooperating witness. She's been diehard uh, this whole time. Um, she right. even got that money to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't even admit to the racketeering, right? Because that would have um, that would have helped, I guess, the prosecution uh, pin these charges to Ranieri. It would be agreeing that she conspired with Keith. So she kept her charges out of that somehow. You know, a pretty impressive legal feat. I don't know if you guys saw the Avenatti cameo too. Like she was a. Uh, no, uh, do tell. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> so this was back in March this year. This is fuel for the QAnon folks. So she uh, has tons of lawyers helping her, right? Like she's been, she funded this $14 million legal fund for all, all of the defendants. And, uh, and she had a lot of people working on retainer, including Michael Avenatti, not on the case specifically, like not on the uh, criminal case, but on like some other state case. Yeah. Um, that they, because they, I mean, they could be facing tax charges. They could be facing charges in other districts. They're not out of the woods yet in terms of potential legal trouble. But apparently, Avenatti was present at, and like one of the Eastern District prosecutors was present for this meeting where Avenatti's like, basically wheeling and dealing for Claire. Oh, what a piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> he just, he just goes where the action is. Yeah, he's such a fucking piece uh, of shit. Bless you, Michael. And then the judge was not having this. He was so fucking <laughs> upset. He was like, you need to tell me who your lawyers are. We need to know them. Like, you need to declare them. That this can't be happening. Um, so is Avenatti or is Avenatti not working for you? And Claire fainted in court. <laughs> <laughs> I've got oh the vapors. Oh my god. I've got the vapors I have. Yeah. So that's that was in March. That was incredible. Like I was like, no, like this uh, I don't know. I think it was Emily Nussbaum had a really good tweet about it. She's like, okay, cancel this show. This crossover is too complicated. Even fans <laughs> are leaving. Or something like that. They finally confirmed that he was working in this other capacity and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they probably they no longer did after that. He's like, you know, this public sort of lawyer, like he had some, you know, he had some good, some good press behind him for a little while before it all went to shit. I'm sure they were like, well, I mean, maybe if we get this guy on board, you know, he can, you know, sort of help our public image. And I'll bet even Avenatti was probably like, oh, well, this is really sticky stuff. I don't really want to. He goes, I'll tell you what, I, I mean, I'd love to come and take your money. He was like, but maybe I could work in like this capacity that doesn't really have to do with like the sexual abuse or like, you know, any of these like racketeering allegations or whatever. Yeah, but if, if you're a Harris, uh, your entire life is like, well, I'm just going to get in a room with these people and explain to them that it's nothing, all a big misunderstanding yeah. <laughs> and i'll give them as much money as they need and the judge is like no please name your lawyer and she's like i don't understand <laughs> i've yeah, assembled like, people <laughs> in this room and th things usually work out 
I've assembled people here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. So she had never played by the rules before. And then, like, having the rules be played on her was just too, too much. But, yeah, yeah, I I think Avenatti, like, all of their lawyers were probably like, I don't want to hear too much. Like, even Ranieri, his lawyer, Mark Ignifolo, he started as, like, the most comfortable guy in the room. Like, he was very um, confident. I think he came, I mean, I don't know. I haven't talked to him yet. I'm hopefully talking to him tomorrow. I think he was surprised by a couple things that came out. Like, he only had the messages that were, like, sent from his phone uh, Ranieri's phone in Mexico, it was like an edited number of screen caps. They never got his phone. They never, you know, went to a Google custodian and was like, here are all of his texts or anything like that, because I think it would potentially be very, very incriminating, right? The lawyers on this case are like, I can't know too much because it sounds like you're a really, really bad guy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Avenatti, uh, QAnon people also sometimes claim that Stormy Daniels was somehow involved in the Nexium and was even branded famously. Uh, so, uh, what was Stormy's involvement in Nexium? <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, nothing whatsoever. But nothing I whatsoever. Mean, oh, got that wrong. I, huh. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the photoshops of like her potentially having a brand, like, uh, it's all fake. Like, it's oh, definitely well. hooked hmm. up. Or it, it, it's like the Photoshop of it. Like, I'm not, yeah. I can't totally rule it out, but I've been told by former members that, like, never saw her, never interacted with her. Another big thing is that uh, QAnon followers claim that Nexium was actually a Satanist sex cult. So how much worship of Lucifer typically go on in Nexium? <laughs> right. So, um... Yeah, so some of the classes were based on Paradise Lost. Oh, uh, all right. There we go. So, like, there was this uh, this module, this exercise called The Fall, and it was about, you know, basically becoming a psychopath and how to not become a psychopath. Keith Raniere would know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, he uses this language of Luciferian. Um, and so that was his name, I guess, for a psychopath, someone who, like, feels good when other people are feeling bad. And like, again, I think he was, you know, just telegraphing that, like, this is who I am. Like, I feel good when people feel bad. You know, like, if you read it, if you read the module, you're like, hmm, this is maybe telling on yourself a little bit. But yeah, so he made this patent called, uh, I don't think it was ever approved. So patent application, how to restore a Luciferian. Um, And so that is what QAnon has really glommed onto and been like, yes, they are Satanists. But, um, and then, yeah, I like vaguely looked into whether, because like the combined letters thing, it could be like, I've read a little bit about sex magic or whatever. Uh, but I've asked former members and I don't think that's actually the case. But yeah, like Keith Raniere would like, um, basically lean into whatever weird spirituality his followers brought to him. So like if you came to him as like a Satanist, like he'd speak your language to exploit you, if that makes sense. Nice. Right. Yeah. So it's very thoughtful of him. Yeah, right. So he's just, he was just sort of uh, manipulative, playing to his <laughs> whoever he was speaking to. So he believed in nothing is what yeah. you're saying, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have one last uh, QAnon-related question for you, and it relates to the big fish in QAnon, which is Hillary Clinton. Now, like you mentioned, uh, uh, high-level members of Nexium did donate to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. 
So how much trouble do you think Hillary Clinton is in for her, her strong connections to Nexium? <laughs> well, like, I don't think she ever did anything for them. Oh. Like, I, I just <laughs> like they were clearly trying to get some allies. It's clearly a PR disaster for Hillary. Like, she doesn't love that a court of law like showed all of these members you know, donating to her 2007 campaign. I just think it's a PR problem more than a problem problem. So this this isn't this isn't what's going to take Hillary down. You don't think her execution will not be because <laughs> of uh, Allison Mack. Oh, all right. <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of QAnon hearts just sunk to the floor right there. Right <laughs> I mean, they already don't like me or believe me, so that's well, fine. Well, that probably makes you a very good person. Um, <laughs> be before we let you go, Sarah, is there anything you'd like to plug? If you want to know more, you can check out my reporting. I don't really have anything to plug, but I'm Sarah Berms, B-E-R-M-S, uh, on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you guys. Sarah. Have a good one. You've been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. We do not run any advertising on the show, uh, so instead we use a straightforward $5 monthly subscription system. And for that amount, you get access to a second weekly episode alongside all the ones that we've already recorded. So please uh, visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous to support us and help us become entirely self-sustaining. Thank you. Our merch, including t-shirts and mugs, can be found at merch.qanonanonymous.com. Yeah, I, I made a, I'm still very proud of it, I made an LGBTQ deep state t-shirt that... Uh, it's a slick design. I have to order for myself as well. I think I'm ordering a couple too. A couple of uh, my girlfriend's co-workers want it. Oh, nice. <laughs> They're not nice. even like, they don't even like listen to the show, but yeah. they just think it's like a cool design and yeah, they yeah. love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Come chat with us at discord.qanonanonymous.com. It's free and open to everyone. Our Twitters are at QAnon Anonymous, at Travis underscore View, at Julian Field, and at Real Rockatansky. Listener, until next week. May the deep dish bless you. And keep you. What the heck? <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. Here's the thing. I've been shot at because of my beliefs. I've had to make choices. Should I have bodyguards? Should I have them armed or not? Um, I've had people killed because of my beliefs and because of their beliefs and because of things that I've said. And I'm mindful of that. And I'm leading an organization that's doing something very good. The bright, you might say, you know, this is a, an old Christian advice, which I think is very true. The brighter the light, the more the bugs.